Good morning. How are you guys doing today? How are you guys doing today? Awesome. I got to give you a quick report. Last week, how many of you were here last week? You remember I told that little story about some of the local pastors and how they give and all that? And it didn't reflect very well on Pastor John Hinkebine. And I specifically said, this is, I'm just joking, don't tell John. How many of you remember that I said that? Okay, so Tuesday, I walk into the Loft Coffee Shop, and guess who's sitting there? Pastor John. I'm across the room, and he yells, hey, Larry, keep my name out of your mouth. (laughs) So, I mean, there's a rat in the house. I mean, somebody told him. I specifically said, don't do that. So here's what's going to happen, man. You know, we've got, like, We've got our mission statement here, reaching, teaching, and helping people in Jesus' name. And then we've got little slogans that we use, like, there's a place for you here. We're adding another one starting today. Here's what it is. At CBCB, snitches get stitches. Okay? So from now on, when I say it's just between us, it's just between us. Okay, so, should we still preach, or you think that's good for today? Uh, okay, so we've been talking a lot in the last few weeks about following Jesus, and we've, I think, all started to really realize that following Jesus doesn't just mean liking him. Followers follow, and, and really following Jesus means going where he went and doing what he did and living like he lived, even when it's hard and even when it's weird. And even when it's scary, and I'm going to tell you that a lot of times it's going to be hard, and it's going to be weird, and it's going to be scary. Because, you know why? I'll tell you why. Because this world and the people in this world are not operating the way we were originally designed. And so when Jesus comes back and shows us how we will live in his kingdom, when everything is returned to its original design, and he fully redeems everybody, and he fully renews the world to his original plan, yeah, those ways seem weird to us. It's, it's going to feel a little uncomfortable to us. It's going to feel a little unnatural to us. It's supposed to. Um, some of you know I have a little, I have a degenerative disc in my back, and so I've got this little thing where you're, you know, your, your vertebrae are supposed to be this far apart or whatever, and I've got one that's only this far apart, and so... Okay, that gets out of whack every once in a while. Not a huge deal. But um, so a thing that I use, and you guys know what this is? So this thing, you, I like, I lay on my back with this right here, and it like pulls apart. And it's supposed to be this far apart, but mine's only this far apart. And so when I lay on this, it kind of pulls apart that, that little vertebrae like it's supposed to be. And so I'm going to tell you that when I'm doing that, it feels weird. Right? It feels awkward. It, it hurts a little bit, but the problem is not with this. The problem is that me, you know, in this case, what's right feels wrong. It, it, this isn't wrong. My back is what's wrong, and when my back gets in alignment with what it's supposed to be doing, yeah, it feels a little weird. So following Jesus feels a little weird because it means abandoning our ways, even though they are sometimes, they feel right, and it means following his ways, even if they're weird, and even if they're hard, and even if they're scary. So for the last couple of weeks, that's what we've been talking about. Like, what does it look like to follow 
Jesus and, and do what he did and live like he lived. And we saw that Jesus lived in community, so we should live in community. And we saw that Jesus gave sacrificially, so we should give sacrificially. And today, we're gonna see that Jesus spent a lot of his life serving humbly. So a lot of you I know are Bible students or scholars, and, and so you may have noticed this. Um, in the Bible, Jesus is kind of a big deal. How many of you have noticed that when you read through the Bible? Have you ever thought about like what a big deal Jesus like? He's, he's kind of the key player in this thing, right? And I was just thinking this week like exactly who he is in relationship to the big story. And he came across this passage in Colossians 1.15. This is kind of describing who he is. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and he's supreme over all creation. Through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, like thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world, and everything was created through him and for him. And he existed before anything else. He holds all creation together. He's also the head of the church, which is his body. He's the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So Jesus is God, and he's eternal. And he's the creator of everything. He's holding the whole universe together. He is, it says supreme over everything, even death. It said everything that exists, exists because of him and through him and for him. And he's the head of the church and he's the head of all of us and all the fullness of God lives in him. And through him, everything is being reconciled to God. So, yeah, he's, he's a pretty big deal. Would you agree? Okay, so let's, um, it's a Bible church. Let's just review the whole story of the Bible. Okay, that won't take very long at all. So, he created everything to be perfect and beautiful, and he put humanity in charge of it, and he gave humans free will. And the snake tempted man with sin, and man couldn't handle the temptation, so through man, sin came in and jacked up God's perfect creation. You with me so far? Just keep going like this, and I'll keep talking, okay? So now creation and humanity is separated from God, and everything is polluted and contaminated with pride and hate and evil and demons and sickness and death. Still with me? So Jesus decided to restore creation back to its original beauty, and he decided to reconcile creation back to God, and he decided to start with humanity. And to do that, instead of him like sending a task force of angels uh, to reconcile the world, Jesus decided to come here himself as a man. So even though he was the son of God, he chose to become a son of man. That's about three quarters of the Bible. You guys with me so far? We're doing great on time. So here's the creator, and he's, he's choosing to dress himself in the skin of his creation. But not just any part of his creation. He's choosing to dress himself in the skin of the part of creation that ruined his creation. And then, through experiencing the worst things in humanity, betrayal, 
and humiliation and torture and death, he would give his life to fix everything and to reconcile the world back to God and to reconcile us back to God's plan. With me? Isn't that an amazing story? Isn't that a weird story? I mean, that's, that's pretty strange, right? It's because it's for me, I love studying world religions, and you know why? I love making fun of other people's weird beliefs. Don't you? Isn't it fun to make fun of all the weird stuff that other people believe? But we have to admit, this is pretty weird. That the, the creator of every, the king of the universe would willingly lower himself to, to, to fix his creation that we broke and to reconcile the people to God who chose to reject God and mess up his world in the first place. I mean, what, what kind of God does that? So, okay, we're, we're three quarters through, so then now in the New Testament, we have this amazing, totally strange story like unfolding now, right? So Jesus is here and he's in his creation as a man and he's announcing that the new kingdom is coming. Man, we're turning this thing back around and to kind of prove who he is and why he's here, he's going around kind of like symbolically undoing what sin did. So he's undoing all the results of man's sin that ruined everything. He's, he's forgiving sin. What is that? He's undoing what sin did to us. He's casting out demons. What is that? He's undoing the work of Satan. He's healing people. What is that? He's undoing the disease that came in to the world. He's raising the dead. What is that? He's undoing death. He's undoing all the results of what sin brought into his perfect world. And it's happening now. And people are following him and people are believing him. And he's got disciples and it's, it's like it's happening. The king of creation is restoring creation and recreating uh, creation. He's, he's, he's standing up against hate and hypocrisy. He's doing this amazing teaching and he's, he's doing miracles and he's living a perfect life. And he's, and he's awesome. And then, like, just when you think the story couldn't get any weirder, Jesus does what I think might be the weirdest thing in the whole history of the universe. And it's in John 13, 14. It says, the Passover celebration was coming, and Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and he had returned to God. So here it is. He got up from the table, he took off his robe, he wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that he had around him. What is that? It's like, it's not weird enough 
that the supreme king of everything became a man and lived with men and accepted men and, and walked around in our filth. And it wasn't enough that he ate with us and hung out with us. Now he's going to wash the disgusting feet of these people. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Peter couldn't. Peter couldn't. Peter's like, he couldn't handle the truth, right? Look what he says. This is uh, 13.6. Then Jesus comes to Simon Peter, so he's washing feet, right? He's going down, he's going, here's Judas's feet, he's washing those, right? Now he gets to Peter, and Peter, of course, says what he thinks, and so Peter says to him, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will, and Peter's like, no, you will never, ever wash my feet. And Jesus said, well, unless I, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And then Peter exclaimed, well then wash my hands and my head as well, not just my feet. And Jesus said, now a person who's bathed all over doesn't need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean. So now obviously Jesus is playing out some sort of like symbolism here through this washing, right? So somehow he's, he's trying to help them see that he's gonna, he's gonna wash people and, and clean them up so that they can belong to him, and his washing is gonna make them clean enough to belong to him and to be part of the kingdom and to get back into this relationship. And then Jesus, sidebar, takes a minute here to give us kind of, I think, an interesting theological insight, and that is, since the broken world that they live in is kind of in this slow process of being fully renewed and fully redeemed and fully recreated, even though they're clean, because of what Jesus does, they're gonna be walking in the filth for a while, they're gonna be surrounded by this garbage for a while, so some of that might stick. So they're not gonna to need to be completely rewashed, he said, but they are gonna to need to bring their dirt to Jesus as long as they're living in this dirty world. So now verse 12, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and he sat down and he asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I am your Lord and your teacher, and I've washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is a messenger more important than the one that sends a message. So now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing these things. So, I, I don't know, reading this this week, I was like flabbergasted by the absurdity of this story. So, let's review. Jesus was there in the beginning with God, and as God, he created a perfect, beautiful everything. And humanity rejected him and ruined his creation. And that brought in all kinds of demonic stuff like sin and hate and pride and separation and disease and corruption and death and just trashed everything he created. And instead of him just saying, okay, well, that's it, and just burning them down, he came down in person to experience and to heal the mess that humanity had made. And if that's not crazy enough, now he's gonna stop in the middle of kind of an important night for him, right? He's gonna stop right in the middle of redeeming all of creation. He's gonna put on an apron and he's gonna nail down in the dirt in front of them 
and wash their nasty feet. And so I have just one question. What the chicken? Who, wh- how, why, what, what, what's happening? What is happening here? Who is this God? Who is this Jesus? Why did he do that? What did it even accomplish? And we're his followers, so are we supposed to redeem the world? Are we supposed to wash feet? How, how does that help anything? And what does that look like? And why would we do that? And I'll just ask it, what about toe fungus? <laughs> I mean, there's, what, what if I don't wanna wash the feet of people that are clearly inferior to me? So that's more like 14 questions, and you might have them too. I think if you're a serious student of the Bible, I think you have, this is a really, a lot of questions come up about why the creator of everything would condescend in the first place to even come here. But then to get on the ground in the dirt and wash their feet, that that brings up a lot of questions. And I know you guys have places to be after this and it's a great day and we can't stay here all day. So maybe you got a million questions, I do. But what we're gonna do today is we're gonna try to come up with three answers. Okay, three answers. And my hope is that you can spread those answers over several questions, okay? Because otherwise, seriously, we're gonna be here all day. So whatever, whatever questions you may be formulating about this amazing, incredible, all-powerful ruler of the universe choosing to come down here and not only live in the dirt with us, not only die in the dirt with us, but to kneel down in the dirt in front of the very humanity that made it all necessary and wash their feet. Here's answer number one. Formulate all the questions you want. Here's answer number one. Jesus knew who he was and what he came to do. I think a lot of us would have a hard time like lowering ourselves like that and really humbly serving other people, especially, you know, inferior people. And a lot of that for us comes from our own pride or it comes from insecurities, like what would people think? You know, what, is it, what does that make me if I'm serving them? And, 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 and I think that's normal for us because we have pride and we have insecurities, but that's not a thing for Jesus because he knew who he was. Um, this verse one said he knew he was gonna return to his father. He knew who he was. Verse three says he knew he had complete authority over everything and that God had sent him and that he'd soon be back with God. He knew who he was. He knew he was the son of God and he knew what he came to do. And he told us in Mark ten forty five, he said he came not to be served but to serve and to be, give his life as a ransom. He knew what he came to do And what he came to do was so important to him that no obstacle was so high he wouldn't go over it. And no place was so low that he wouldn't stoop down to it. And no foot was so stinky that he wouldn't wash it to do what he came to do. He didn't have insecurities about who he was. And he didn't really need to prove who he was. He knew exactly who sent him. He knew exactly what he came to do. He knew how this thing was gonna turn out. Jesus knew who he was and what he came to do. He had nothing to prove, but he had a mission to accomplish. 
And to me, that answers a lot of questions about how Jesus served so humbly. Here's your second answer. Serving humbly pointed people to the cross. So a lot of my questions as I read this story are the why's, why, right? Why, why, why did he do that thing? What was, like, what was the purpose of washing feet? Like, he was, it was a really busy night for Jesus, right? He had kind of a lot going on that day. Why did, why did he do that? And why the timing? Like, why did he do this kind of insignificant thing right before he did this incredibly significant thing? And why did it have to be him? Of all the things Jesus could have delegated, I mean, couldn't Peter have handled that? Couldn't Andrew have handled that? Couldn't one of those other, tw- couldn't Judas have handled that job? Couldn't somebody else have handled that job? And, and it's like, like so why? I think I know why. It's, it's like a foreshadowing, isn't it? It's, it's a metaphor, right? Him washing feet is an illustration. It's, it's a picture of what he was about to do. And that's the thing with, with the Peter's feet, right? Jesus is saying, look, I'm gonna wash you. I'm gonna make you clean. I'm gonna qualify you for the kingdom. That's why I said, unless I wash you, right, you can't belong to me. So he says, I'm gonna wash you and I'm the only one that can do it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna elevate you by lowering myself. I'm gonna elevate you by humbling myself. And that is a perfect picture, a perfect illustration of what he was about to do for real on the cross. So Paul talks about this in Philippians 2. He said Jesus humbled himself to become a human, but that wasn't low enough. So he further humbled himself and he was publicly humiliated and shamed and spit on and killed like a common criminal. So on the cross, Jesus was completely humbled. And this foot washing thing was like an illustration of that. It was a foreshadowing of that. It was a, it was a picture of that thing that he was about to do. Um, so let's talk about this foot washing thing. How many of you like do a foot washing at your house when guests come over? Not a lot. So, you know, a little different circumstances there, right? So um, these people walked everywhere, very few cars in first century Jerusalem, and um, they walked in sandals and on dirt roads and lots of livestock, and so no telling what they were walking in and stepping in. And you know, when they ate, they didn't eat like us. You know, we, our tables are this high, right? And our chairs are 17 inches, right? That's, 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 that's how we eat, we eat up here. That's not how they ate. Their tables are this high off the floor. So they're sitting down, they're reclining, they're sitting crisscross applesauce, right? They're sitting on the ground when they're eating. And so, like, think this over. You're, you're eating right next to somebody's feet. So do you see? You think it's important for your kids to wash their hands before they eat. But do you see how much more important that really is for someone to have clean feet before they sit down at your table? And so washing the feet was kind of a big deal, especially before a meal. And here's what I want you to see. Jesus' humble act of lowering himself to clean the disciples' feet so that they could have a place at the table with him was a perfect foreshadowing of his next act, which was lowering himself to die on a cross to clean their hearts so that they could have a place with him in his kingdom. Did you get that? I'll say it again, okay? 
I'll read it, I'll get this exactly right. Jesus' humble act of lowering himself to clean the disciples' feet so that they could have a place with him at the table perfectly foreshadowed Jesus lowering himself to die on a cross to clean their hearts so that they could have a place with him in his kingdom. Jesus humbly serving actually pointed his disciples to the cross. And again, to me, that answers a lot of questions uh, about how and especially about why Jesus served so humbly. You guys doing okay? Keep going like this, we'll keep going, okay? Uh, Third answer, no matter how many questions you have, this is the last answer. Followers follow. Let me hear you say, followers follow. Jesus is preparing us for his kingdom. And it seems so different than this world, right? Everything is, is upside down, and everything is backwards, and everything is counterintuitive. Um, there's a story in Mark 10, and James and John are, are arguing about, who, these are godly men, about who gets to sit next to Jesus in the place of authority or whatever when they get to the kingdom and because they're idiots, right? So they're following Jesus around, that's their question, right? Who gets to sit next to the boss? You know, who gets the, the place of, 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 of being impressive or whatever? So this is Mark 10, 41. When the other 10 disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. They were probably mad that they didn't think to ask for the same place, right? So verse 42, Jesus calls them all together, and he says, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over people, and officials flaunt their authority over those who are under them, but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so again, that is so opposite, right, of this world where we're all so determined to win. We're all so determined to be first and to be recognized and to get what's ours and to be treated with respect. In this world, in the words of the great Ricky Bobby, If you ain't first, <laughs> you're last, right? And probably the only Ricky Bobby reference in a church in America today, right there. But Jesus says, Jesus says, in the kingdom, the ones who are first are the ones who intentionally make themselves last. The ones who are, are first are the ones who serve others and who do it in total humility. But Jesus didn't just tell them that, right? He, he modeled it for them to follow. Why? Because followers follow. Jesus is our inspiration. Jesus is our model, and he showed us what leadership looks like in the kingdom. And I think one reason he did it was so that we could imitate him and try to be like him. So that answers I don't know, that's at least three answers to the five million questions that I've got about this. And I think that's great for Jesus, right? So I'm checking my boxes, that's good for him. But it leaves me with 
one question for us as his followers, and that question is, what the chicken? Like what, what are we supposed to do as Jesus follows? In light of this story, like we don't have the option of coming down from heaven, right? We don't have the option of redeeming the world. How, how are we supposed to follow that? Are we supposed to die for people? Are we supposed to wash people's feet or what? And, and truthfully, like, what, I see what it did for him to do. But like, what good does it do for the kingdom for me to humbly serve somebody? How does that really help the kingdom? And, and why, why would I do that? And why should I do that? Should I do that? Should you do that? Again, I got, I got lots of questions about this for us as followers. And again, I know you have places to be. So just to save time, um, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna see if those same Jesus answers, do we still have them? If maybe those same Jesus answers might apply to some of our follower questions, okay? So let's just see if the answers to some of the questions about Jesus might also apply to us and the questions we have about following. Um, so what was the first answer? Say it with me. Jesus knew who he was and what he came to do. So, I mean, maybe that's an answer for us too about how we can do this because truthfully, Jesus didn't have pride or insecurity. How many of you have a little bit of pride or insecurity? And the rest are liars. Okay, that's cool. I mean, we've all got our stuff, right? So, like, if I've got pride and insecurity, here's a how. Like, how am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to really lower myself and condescend like that? How, how am I going to do that? And I think, yeah, Jesus knew who he was and what he came to do. And, and maybe we can humble ourselves if we know who we are. Right? Um, some of you know I used to have a great Dane named Matilda. And Matilda was a big dog, like this big, like 160 pounds or something like that. And so one of the real pleasures of having a Great Dane is taking them for walks in the neighborhood. So we would go walking through the neighborhood, right? And all these little, um, I think they're called rat dogs, <laughs> all these tiny little dogs behind a fence where they felt safe would like, rawr, 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 you know, they're, and they're like, you know, they do that bouncing, rawr, like they it, like right off the ground when they would bark at her and they would growl and they would show their tiny little teeth and they're slobbering let me at her let me at her let me at her and Matilda would like look over at them and she would look at me like Ugh. right but you know what she never did she never barked back she never growled back at those ridiculous little dogs because she knew she was the big dog right she didn't have anything to prove. She knew who the big dog was. So can I tell you something just in all humility? We're the big dogs. We're the big dogs. We're sons and daughters of God. We're joint heirs, the Bible says, with Christ Jesus. We're full of his spirit. You know what our future is? Our future is being rulers in the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says that we're gonna be judges of Israel. So we're the big dogs, right? We have, we have nothing to prove. In time, God will exalt us. So we can lower ourselves to humbly serve just like Jesus if, just like Jesus, we know who we are. And if we know what we're here to do. 
Right? Jesus knew who he was and he knew what he was here to do. And, and if we, so why are we here? We're here to please and honor and glorify God. And it appears that what pleases and honors and glorifies God is for people to serve humbly. So if pleasing God is what we're here for, if we're really focused, if we really know what we're here for and we're focused on that mission, then no obstacle will be too big for us and no place will be too low for us to stoop and no foot will be too stinky for us to wash. Serving humbly, I think for us, is a lot easier if we know who we are and we know what we came to do. Okay, what was the next answer? Say it with me. Serving humbly pointed people to the cross. And we saw that worked with Jesus. It was true for him. Serving humbly pointed people to the cross. And I think it's just as true for us, but for different reasons. So one of the best ways you can show Jesus to the world, one of the best ways you can point people to him is probably not dying for them. And it's probably not you know, a great sermon or writing an amazing book or a song or something. It's by humbly serving them. One of the best ways you can point people to Jesus is by humbly serving them because when people see that you love them enough to just wanna help them, especially if that means you gotta bend down, right? Or that you gotta get dirty, that, that's what draws them to Jesus. And I, maybe that's what Jesus said in John 13, 34. He said, just like I loved you, you should love each other. And your love for one another will show the world that you're my disciples. So Jesus is saying, nothing, nothing shows me to people like loving them. And nothing shows people love like humbly serving them. And so that's how we point people to the cross, by humbly serving, and that could look like a lot of things. That could be helping a neighbor, that could be taking somebody a meal, that could be serving in kids ministry, or helping somebody find a parking spot in church. I saw somebody today, they were in the back, and they were like, it was crowded in the back, and it's always crowded in the back. I don't know if you guys have noticed that. Lots of room up here on the front row, but the back is kind of tight. And so some people came in, and it was like a bigger family. And so somebody was taking up four seats, and they said, oh, let me just go back and sit in this other place so that you can have this seat. That's, it could be just something just that simple. It could be serving somebody a donut. It could be cleaning up after somebody or, or washing their feet. But when we do those things, people see Jesus in us. When we serve people humbly, it actually points people to the cross. Okay, last answer, say it with me. Followers follow. So Romans 10.9 says that we are saved not just by believing in Jesus, but by making him Lord. That's the hard part, right? So that means trusting him so completely that we say, Jesus, not only do I believe you, not only do I believe about you, not only do I believe in you, but I believe in you so completely, right? I believe that you are the perfect human that I was supposed to be and couldn't, and so I wanna be like you. So whatever you do and wherever you go and however you live, wherever you lead, I'll follow. Followers follow. That's what Jesus told the disciples, ironically. Right after he washed their feet, Jesus said, you know, you say I'm your Lord, and you're right, I am your Lord. 
And as your Lord, you've seen me wash your feet. So do as I have done to you. So is it, is it weird to lower yourself for no other purpose except to serve somebody else? Is that weird in this world? Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Um, is it hard to humbly serve, especially some people? Is it hard? Yeah, it's hard. Um, is it scary to serve and humble yourself? It is scary because like, what if I lose my position, right? Or what if somebody takes advantage of me? Or what if somebody thinks less of me? It is weird and it is hard and it is scary and it is completely counterintuitive. It's the opposite of what feels right. But if we really believe in Jesus, if we fully believe in him enough to make him Lord, followers follow, even when it's weird, even when it's scary, even when it's hard, even when it's counterintuitive, and that means serving humbly. So, put some skin on it, right? So, what should we do about that, right? So how, how can you do it? Maybe you're sitting there and you're just thinking, yeah, that, I wanna do that, I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna serve humbly, I wanna do what Jesus did. What does that look like in this church? And the purposes of the church is to give us all an opportunity to plug in, right, and to serve and to do what Jesus did. Where are you gonna do it? I mean, I don't recommend knocking on your neighbor's door and saying, hey, can I wash your feet, right? Probably not the best, that'd be a little weird. Um, so how, well, how can we do this thing? And so it could be, like I say, a million things. There's a million things you should do, but I mean, if we wanna follow Jesus, if we're passionate about following Jesus, then that means we're chomping at the bit now. Help me, how can I do this thing? How can I serve humbly? So I'm just gonna throw you out just a couple of ideas about opportunities that you might wanna pray about, about ways that you could serve humbly. Not that you could be the grand poobah of the church, right? But a way that you could follow Jesus and condescend and kneel down and put yourself below someone else so that you could lift them up. Um, you could serve humbly in kids' ministry. I mean, nothing, <laughs> nothing more humbling, right, than, like in the nursery, if, 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 let's just say you're struggling with humility, and that's just a problem for you, then just go back there, and the first day that you pick up a baby and hold them up and they spit up in your mouth, <laughs> you will be humbled that you will be humbled. I mean, think of what a humbling experience it is. And you just saw what Jesus did, right? King of the universe came down here to be with us. Even further, he gets on his knees in the dirt to wash feet. How much does it look like that for you, an intelligent, successful adult, to kneel down on the floor with a kid and just play with them and to sing songs that matter to them, not to you? and to play games that are fun for them, not for you, and to tell them who Jesus is by showing them who Jesus is. That's serving humbly, right? Or you could serve in guest services. I mean, guest services is all of our people that park cars and hold doors open and the donuts, that pass out communion, the ushers, all of the, any, it's called guest services, right? This is an opportunity 
not to be seen as super important, and I'm gonna tell you, the pay is the worst, right? It's, it's not that, it's, it's humbly serving. I don't want you to serve, and I don't think God wants you to serve so that people can see you serving, right? I don't, so that you can be exalted by that. It's humbly serving. Think about guest services, what are you doing? You're holding the door open for somebody, right? You're, you're handing them a donut, right? You're cleaning up after them. That's a perfect example of serving humbly. So did we get connection cards today? Did you guys get one of those? Did you get a connection card when you came in? Looks like this. So look, if you wanna serve in one of these things, it's pretty easy. You fill in the blanks, you check the box that says volunteering, and somewhere on the card, write your idea. I wanna help in kids ministry, or I wanna help in guest services, or whatever it is, and we'll call you, and we'll help you figure that out. It's, it's, and again, not so you can be cool, not so that you can go to heaven, okay? If, if, you, if you believe in Jesus and you've made him Lord of your life, you're in. Right, so you don't need to earn that anymore. It's just because we're trying to follow the model of Jesus, and I wanna serve humbly. Tell you another great place that you could serve is on our safety team. So our safety team is kind of being reinvented right now. We're kind of, kind of rebuilding this whole thing. Terrence Franklin, Terrence, are you in here? He's in the very, look at Terrence back there, hiding in the shadows. So Terrence is gonna be leading this team, and this is all about keeping us safe, right? It's about protecting our stuff, it's about, about protecting us, it's about protecting our kids and making sure that they're safe during church. And so that's a super, super important team. And this is maybe the first time I've ever said the name of a safety person, right? It's, it's a thankless job. So if you're looking for glory, that's not a good gig for you. But if you're looking to serve humbly, that might be a really great way. So the card, and just fill in the card. Just write safety team on there. Terrence will call you this week. I think we have a sign-up sheet in the Connection Center. Just go back there and sign up. We'll call you this week. And then one last one is for Easter. So Easter, I mean, it's a big deal, right? We're a couple thousand people are gonna come and we wanna really make it fun and make it big. And so we need lots of help, especially with guest services. Last year we had something like 1,200 or 1,500 balloons. I was exhausted from blowing those things up. So there's a lot to do, man. There's trash to pick up. There's really glorious things to do like that. There's water to pass out and there's stuff to do. So, I mean, that might be something that you'd like to help with. If so, again, on your connection card, just check volunteering and write Easter on there or something. There are no shortage of opportunities to serve humbly, right? We are, we are there are dirty feet all around us, right? There's no shortage of opportunities to serve humbly. The question is, Will you follow Jesus and serve humbly? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for loving us, for including us in your plan. You're redeeming all of mankind. You're bringing back creation. You're redeeming us, and you're redeeming your good world. And I mean, I don't know why. For some reason, you've chosen to include us in that process. And you've chosen to start with humanity, to start with us and redeem us first, and then make us part of your kingdom as you're bringing it all around us. And so thank you for including us in that plan, and thank you for being such a great model and example for us. It's, it's amazing to me that you would lower yourself to even come here, but then to also die for us, to also kneel down in the dirt and wash feet. I can think of no other reason that you did that except to set a model for us. So I just pray that you'll just give us such an understanding of who we are 
in you, that you will give us such an understanding of what we're here to do to glorify God, that you will show us that we have an opportunity to point people to you, and all we need to do is follow your model, so show us how and where and exactly what time, which service, show us how we can humbly serve people just like you, and it's gonna be hard. And so when we're doing it and we're feeling, oh, it's beneath me or whatever, then God, just remind us that we are following the model of Christ. Remind us of who we are. Remind us of why we're here. In Jesus' name, amen. Take a look at this video real quick. Hey, everybody, just wanna invite you to join us for Easter Sunday at Ranger Stadium. We're gonna celebrate Jesus with some amazing music. We're gonna look at the word and what it says about the victorious life he gives us. We're gonna enjoy some fellowship and some giveaways. We're gonna give away 7,000 Easter eggs. You do not wanna miss it. Join us Easter Sunday at Ranger Stadium. Hi guys, this is Miss Amanda with your Kidsmen team and I'm so excited to tell you about this year's Easter celebration at Ranger Stadium. When you get to Ranger Stadium, we're gonna have bags ready for your kiddos with that week's Bible lesson and some goodies. After the sermon, we'll have a huge Easter egg hunt for all the kids to participate. We're hoping to give out 7,000 eggs this year, and that's where we need your help. If you could please donate pre-filled eggs, stickers, candy, temporary tattoos. We do try to avoid chocolate because it melts. You can drop those donations behind the Kidsmen desk anytime between now and Easter. Thank you so much for supporting our Kidsmen team, and we can't wait to see you this Easter. Easter is coming up fast, and we need your help putting on our big day. If you're interested in volunteering with us, simply head back to the Connection Center in the lobby after church, ask them for the sign-up sheet, give us your information, and we'll reach out to you about ways that you can get connected to help us serve this Easter Sunday. Another way you can help is to help us spread the word. We need people to know about what's going on at Ranger Stadium. So what you can do is share our events and posts we have about Easter or create your own on social media. Let us get the word out to your neighbors of what we got going on on Easter Sunday at Ranger Stadium. You can also just, you know, old school, invite someone to church. And we're actually asking every person at our church to be prayerfully considering two families or individual that you can reach out to that don't have a place to go to on Easter and invite them out to service that day. If you have a place of business where you might be able to hang something up, we've got some posters in the Connection Center. You can grab one of those, take it to work, hang it up, help us spread the word. It's going to be an amazing Easter. So, whether it's serving in kids' ministry or whether it's in guest services or on the safety team or doing something for Easter, encouragement today is find a place to serve humbly. God can make an amazing difference in the kingdom through your service. He can make an amazing difference in someone's life through your service. And if that service seems a little beneath you, then that's even better because that's actually following Jesus, serving humbly. Amen? God bless you guys. Have a great day.